I got some good news. Judy, can you put those scriptures up for me before I get started today? You know, I have just been so touched by the Word of God uh, over this time of this Corona stuff. And the Word has just been better and better and better. How many of you know that when the enemy comes in like a flood that God raises a standard? Amen? How many of you have found God to be good and true during this time? Amen. So, oh, Royal, I'm seeing you back there. Yeah, James, good. Connie, good. Connie, it's so good to see you today. Hallelujah. I know. It's so good to see you. Psalm 138 says this. Uh, Psalm 138.7 says this. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. How many of you are excited today to know that God is beside you, your enemies cannot overcome you, and you're touched by his strong right hand? If you're happy about that, say amen. amen. Everybody read this together. Ephesians 2. Let's look at this. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10, okay, here we go, For let's read it together. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, God's got some good things for you, amen? I mean, he's planned things a long time ago. How many of you are glad that we don't have to wonder if God's in the midst of this moment? Amen? How many of you are glad to know that you don't have to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's already in his hands? Amen? You can go to bed and you don't even have to take melatonin tonight. You can just get perfect sleep because you know the peace of God is giving you what you need for tomorrow. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says this. I write these down because I want you to be encouraged by these this week. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God will generously provide all you need. Here you go. He's not only called you to good works, but he's going to provide for you. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, when you do the Dave Ramsey course and you learn how to do your finances, it's so you got some extra to be able to give into things of the kingdom. Listen, we have friends all around the world right now who are struggling severely. I mean, not just a little bit. I'm gonna read to you a couple uh, 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 texts that I've gotten from them and I'm going to encourage you uh, next week, I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to take an agape offering. I want to take an offering when it's not convenient. Isn't that what you were saying? I listen, you know, agape loves when it's not convenient, right? And so I know that uh, we don't take very many second offerings ever, but I'm preparing you ahead of time. Next week, I want to take an offering for pastors that are starving in different nations of the world. Literally, they're having trouble finding food every day because their churches are shut down. There's no offerings. They've got nothing. I mean, nothing. So uh, God will generously provide so that you have leftovers to share with others. Amen? Isaiah 41.10 says this. Don't be afraid. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. Tell them, don't be afraid. I, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged. Hey, don't be discouraged. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, don't be discouraged. Tell him. 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Amen? Now look at Ephesians 1.3. This excites me. Okay, Ephesians 1.3. Let's read this all together. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Come on, somebody. That, if that excites you, say amen. amen. Everything that you need in uh, the spiritual realm for what your life is a part of, God has already provided it for you. You just have to learn how to take it. Woo, take it, take it, take it, walk in it. Hallelujah. Are these good words? I mean, isn't, isn't God good? Hallelujah. Okay, Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Let's look at this. Jeremiah 17, 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Hold it right there. Go back to that. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. One of the things I've done on vacation is I've listened to the book of Acts a hundred times again. For some reason, there's just something about the book of Acts that just trips my trigger, turns me on, it makes me happy, it gets me excited. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Those folks who did the New Testament church began it, they trusted in the Lord. Trust me, they trusted in the Lord. And they have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Every time somebody kicked them on the right side, they went out the left door and they began to preach somebody else, somewhere else. They never stopped. Why? Because they put their trust in the Lord. It didn't matter what the circumstance of the day was. It mattered what the assignment for their life was. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their confidence and their hope. Now, one of the things that we're going to talk about over this week, this series that's evolving right here at the pulpit today, it's getting larger and larger, we need to learn how to build the kingdom way. Why? Because we need to be the Book of Acts church. Why? Because the world is depending on us to have a fire that can't be stopped, can't be quenched, to have in us a desire that, that, can't be, uh, uh, that we can't be swayed from. The world is depending on us. Now, Jeremiah 17, 8 says, they are like trees. This is what happens when you trust the Lord. You're like a tree planted along a river bank, bank with roots that reach deep into the water. You know, one of the things that I've heard so many times is that the church is a billion people wide, but it's only a quarter inch deep. Come on now. We're the church. We can't be a quarter inch deep. We got to have roots that, that dig deep into the soil. You know, roots dig deep into the soil because they're searching for living water. Amen? Our roots in the Lord have to go so deep they go so deep until we find living water, Tammy. They, we can't just be satisfied with being a quarter inch deep, amen? And to be deep, your focus has to be on God. you got to be like the, the Book of Acts people, with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. i got a tree that's really bothered by the heat this year. It's got something called tar root leaf something syndrome. 
And I decided it was going to die, but I, I looked it up and they said, no, I'll just spray some of this stuff in the spring and it'll be just fine. But see, we can't be bothered by the heat. When the heat's on, we got to get better. Or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Amen. That's a good word. I don't care who you are right there. That's a good word. The last scripture that I want to leave with you for you to write down before I begin my message today is this. Isaiah 54, 17. Everybody say, but in the coming day. No weapon turned against you will succeed. Mm, that's a good word right there. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. The accuser is raising his head right now. I'm telling you, the accuser is raising his head. And this is what the accuser, when I say the accuser, I mean the enemy. This is what the, the enemy is doing right now. When times get a little difficult, people begin to question things. And so it's getting a little difficult. And just like it did in, Gen in Genesis 3, 5, when, when Satan said to Adam, he said, did God really, or to Eve, did God really say... Did God really say, see what the accuser does is comes into you and says, is God's word really real? Can God really be trusted? Can you really, Jesse, put your faith in God? And he wants to bring something in you that brings confusion. But God wants us to trust him. And so when we get to the place to where we're feeling uh, uneasy about something, we have to understand who are we focusing on? The second thing that the enemy likes to do, do is like in Luke 3. He likes to come after us like this. He said to Jesus, and if you don't think the enemy wants to challenge you and your identity, you're kidding yourself. He had the guts to challenge Jesus and his identity. Surely, Jane, he'll challenge you and yours. Harold, I guarantee you that, that you're not Jesus. I hate to break the news to you. We're like him. Come on, some. I love you, brother, but neither you nor I are Jesus. And he wants to challenge our identity. And he said to Jesus this, he said, Are you really the Son of God? Are you really the Son of God? I mean, he was coming after Jesus' identity. And so the enemy comes, the accuser comes, to strip us of trusting God and challenging our identity of who we are in Christ. And the only way to withstand the flood of the enemy is to stay focused on your mission. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. How many of you are servants of the Lord? Amen? Amen. I've said all along there is benefits in membership. In membership you have benefits. When you have a Sam's Club card, you can pay a buck 70 for gas when everybody else is paying 205. There's benefits in membership. Okay? It says, uh, their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. I want you to hold fast onto these scriptures today and through these coming weeks. I want you to begin to begin to build a repertoire of things that are going to keep you focused on who God is in your life. 
If we're going to remain a remnant church, a church that is going to hold fast and not let the winds of society blow us left or right or to or fro, I heard Pastor Caleb say, if we're going to be a church that walks in agape love, then we cannot let anything come in and distract us or remove the unity that God has built in this church. It's wonderful to see how unified this body is together. So we need to practice the idea of building the kingdom way. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 16. And I'm just going to begin to, to lay a foundation for building the kingdom God's way. In my article that I wrote in the midweek mail out, how many, just curiosity, be honest with me, how many of you read an article if we send it out in the midweek email? Awesome, I love it. Some of you did this. <laughs> like, <laughs> Some of you did this, so that's good, because, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on that. We want to encourage you with God's Word through the week. And I wrote in there, I must say that I have been so encouraged over these last several months by the direction and encouragement that I've received from God's Word and from great godly friends. You know, we've got some great friends in ministry all over the place. We've been talking a lot lately. Hey, what are you doing in this? And how's God handling this? And are you struggling in that? And, you know, we've been encouraging each other, uh, different pastors, uh, friends of mine, and it's been really good. It's good to know that even in the midst of challenging times, we don't have to just hold on. Now, listen to me. This is... This is the point of this series. But we can make advancements by the grace of God. We're not just in neutral right now. We need to continue to be moving forward. I've said to you guys time and time and time again, this is our time to shine. This is our time by faith to walk out and, and to minister prophetically, to minister hope, to to tell people about how good Jesus is and what he can do for them. This is our time to continue to advance. If God has a call on your life, don't put it in neutral. God can send you places even in the midst of a pandemic that is controlling the entire world. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. So we've got to stay focused on God if we're going to continue to build the kingdom way. Can I get an amen? amen. Listen, it's interesting that uh, when you build in adverse times, that it can bring uh, uh, times of confusion in your life because it doesn't seem like things are maybe going uh, the way we would like them to. So how can you build? in adverse times. How can you have peace in the times of confusion? Pastor Jarvis used to say, what captures your attention captures you. What ca that, that phrase, I don't even know, he probably said that in the 80s or the 70s and somebody told me about it or 65 might have been the first way he started the church here. But th that phrase has stuck with me. What captures you, okay, what, what captures your attention captures you. So what are you giving attention to? The reason why I gave you all of those scriptures today is because I want you to be captured by that and not what you see. I want you to be captured by that and not what you hear. 
See, God is good and he's able to do exceedingly more than we can ever imagine, even in the midst of trying times. I have learned that by faith and focus, our destinies can advance even in the midst of trying circumstances. Even in the midst of a pandemic, we have to allow God to direct us and we can't allow our flesh to get in the way. I mean, our flesh has got to get out of the way. One of the reasons why I thought the word that Rachel brought was so significant today is it's because the only way to deal with your flesh is to get out of your comfort zone. Your flesh wants to keep you right where your flesh wants to be. But only God can move you out of that. And so to get out of a comfort zone, sometimes you have to make a symbolic move to move out of the place you are and say, God, here I am. Don't allow me to stay in that place. The Bible tells us this. In Proverbs 24, 3 through 5, it says, A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense, common sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. The wise are mightier than the strong. Listen to me. The wise are mightier than the strong. And those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. The more you are absorbed by the things of God, the, the quicker you come to that place to where your focus builds your faith and your faith keeps you where God wants you to be. But the Bible also says this. In Romans 16, 25, it says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. See, our flesh says just stay. it seems right right now to not move. It seems right right now to just, just uh, uh, hunker down and, and try not to get something as opposed to moving forward and giving something. I mean, it's a real dichotomy right now of where we are in life. Our spirit tells us that through wisdom we can continue to build. Our flesh says it's time to just not do anything. Somewhere in the middle there, God has the answer to all of these. What voice are you listening to right now? Is it drawing you closer to God? Is it a voice that puts God first, or is it a voice that creates division? We're going to talk about that. See, Paul, in the last chapter of Romans, he gives a lot of accolades to a, a bunch of amazing people who have walked out by faith and given themselves dearly to the cause of Christ. And then he is warning them in the middle of this chapter to be careful for those who cause division and offenses. And we're going to talk about that. He wants us to avoid them. What voice are we listening to? When you're focused on the voice and the word of God, you're able to move beyond the distractions of the day as his wisdom brings clarity and strength to prepare for tomorrow. See, God has wisdom in how to move us forward. Now, one of the things that I love about Romans chapter 16 as I begin uh, to talk uh, about the idea of building the kingdom way is, is that it's an interesting look at all of the people that have touched Paul's life in the midst of his ministry to get him to where he is at that current time. 
Interestingly enough, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome, a place that he has never been before. This was not a part of one of his missionary journeys. This was not a church that he had set up. If you look, though, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, the people that were gathered there and began to hear people uh, speak in other languages, there were Romans that were in that particular mix of people. And, and those particular people, or people that had heard the word somewhere else, began the church in Rome. It's an amazing thing that happens. Sometimes we feel so often that we have to be at that place where the ministry is going to happen or the ministry doesn't happen. But listen, God is much bigger than that. When God has a plan, he'll move forth in that plan and ultimately then use people to facilitate that plan. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, that's why our focus has to remain clear as to where God is leading us and what he wants us to do. Now, when we look at the lives of some of these people, I'm going to just share a few things about them because I think it's important. And if I were writing a letter, if I was in prison in Africa and I was writing a letter back to the people of Columbus about the church in Redeemer, which one of you would I include in this letter like Paul is in his in verse 1 it says, I commend you to Phoebe, our sister, who was a servant of the church in Centuria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of. For indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also. One of the things, other translations in verse 2 says this, that she is a, um, uh, she's a patron, that she's a patron. And if you look at that word in the Greek, it means sakura, okay? And that word there means someone who gives help in times of need or distress and difficulty. This is what Phoebe did. She heard of different things that were happening in the church and she did everything she could to provide relief, to provide finances, to provide uh, what, uh, whatever was necessary for the church to move forward. So what I was saying to you earlier today is, is that we need to be Phoebes to these churches that we are hearing about all over different places of Africa who are in great need right now. I'm going to read you just one of the emails that I got. This is from my friend Nicodem in Rwanda. This is what he's saying. Truly, we are surviving. It's very hard to get enough food for the whole family since from March. I am not paid. Sometimes some of my church members give food for one day or two days, and the remaining days we strive and rely on God's provision. We used to have kids in boarding schools, and we were few. In other words, his children were off at school, and he only had to feed him and his wife. But now the schools aren't open, so all the kids are back in the home. This is happening everywhere. Everywhere in all of these nations where their kids go to school elsewhere and there would be only a mom and dad to take care of now, there might be five kids back, six kids back, and there's no money coming in. 
We used to have kids in boarding schools, and we were few at home. But now all kids are at home, and the main job is to eat. In other words, the only thing we focus on 24 hours a day is how are we going to eat, okay? And so this is what he has said to me. Now, I'm, we're hearing this everywhere, that the churches can't meet, there's nobody giving any offering, and these pastors have nothing. This is going on in Guatemala. This is going on in Honduras. This is going on in Mexico, in Rwanda. The only place that we know of that it's not going on right now is in Burundi. And Burundi has remained open during this time of, of the pandemic. And I think it's just another sign of God's grace and what he's doing in that nation. But I would like us to have agape love for these people that we're connected with. Now, one of the nice things about being in connection with the world is it opens up opportunities for us. But what it also opens us to is a responsibility for those who give us the opportunities. Can I get an amen? And so, next week, I'm asking you to pray this week. I want to make a significant contribution to probably 40 or 50 pastors, okay? So, um, I'm asking you to do something in an agape fashion that Pastor Caleb had talked about last week, and I want you to pray about it. And I'll put something out in the newsletter this week as well. And so Tammy and I are praying, and I told her today, I said, baby, I feel something very sacrificial coming on in what God is calling us to give. Um, and so Phoebe, this is what she did. In, in all of the churches, Paul recognized her first. Why? Because it's hard to do ministry when you don't have people who are supporting you financially, logistically, and in all of the things that transpire. So Paul put Phoebe first, and he said, take care of her needs in whatever she brings to you because she has helped so many other people. In verse 3, he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ. What did they do that was so interesting that he would put them in, in, in this text of scripture. Greet them because they risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So in this line of people that have made a difference in Paul's life, one gave money, one risked their neck. They, they literally would do different things. Now, when Paul first got saved, uh, not only did the, the Christians not believe that he had had a transformation, but the Jews who realized he did, they wanted to come after and devour him in the same way that he devoured Stephen in Acts chapter 8. We're only talking about a couple, a couple chapters in the Bible. And so uh, Paul went out to minister, the, the, the Jews went after him in this particular town, and the Bible says that they took him to a certain place in the wall in the nighttime hour, they put him in a basket, and they lowered him outside of the wall so that he could move out and not be murdered by those who were seeking after him. Now here is the awesome thing. The Bible goes on to say, and then Paul went 
into the woods and found a cave and he hid for 50 years until all the trouble passed him by. Isn't that what it said, Millie? It didn't say that? Hey, gone. I got to quit reading Grisham novels and stay closer into the Word. Because that's the way, a, that's the way a, a, a Grisham novel would go. But what the Bible said is, is they moved Paul to another town and then he began to preach the Word of God to those people in that synagogue. See, isn't it interesting? Paul didn't have these people risk their neck for him so that he could go hide in some place in the wilderness. No, he cherished the fact that they risked their neck for him, and so now he's saying, please honor them for what they have done for the church. Likewise, in verse 5, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Athenius, and who is the first fruit of Achaia to Christ. In other words, he's the first believer in Asia. Greet Mary, who labored for us so much. Greet uh, Andronicus and Juna, my countrymen and fellow prisoners. Fellow prisoners, okay? These people are not only his countrymen, but now they're his fellow prisoners. Who are of note among the apostles who were in Christ before me? They, these folks got saved before Paul, and now they, they're coming alongside him, and they're working with him, and the, the, the great thing that they received for coming along Paul and working with him is now they're imprisoned with him. See, when we look at these types of things that were happening in the church at that time, there was no easy way to do what they did. And if you think that revival is going to come to America and it's going to come through some easy passageway, you need to rethink what you are thinking. Because nothing comes easy when something amazing happens for the, for the Lord. It was interesting, I was watching one video this week about Sean Foyt and what they did in Seattle. Uh, in the midst of the chop zone, they set up a worship service in the midst of the chop zone. Now listen, people were dying in the chop zone. Okay, and when they sat up there, the, the, the rioters and the revelers took note of that and they were not happy. And so they sent their thugs to this worship service, harassed his wife. They brought glue and poured glue all over their keyboards and instruments. And Sean said, we had a choice to make. And we were not going to let these thugs intimidate us to move out to where God had called us to worship him. And we began to worship the Lord. And, and we had a few of our guys that kept them at bay. But God did such a great thing that even in the midst of that turmoil, people in Seattle were getting saved. Look, my brother lives in Seattle. He's a Midwest boy. It, it drives him nuts, the things that go on there. You ought to look at the people who run their city council. You ought to look at who their mayor is. You ought to look at what's allowed to tra be transpired. And he went right into the heart of the devil's territory and said, this is God's and we're going to take it back for the kingdom. They risked their neck. 
to do what God had called them to do. And one of the reasons why I'm saying this is, is not that you would prepare yourself to risk your neck, but I'm trying to prepare you because one of the things that I'm not going to get to, and I'm, I'm going to close, this is my first and only close. Okay? First and only close. Within four minutes, I will be away from this pulpit. Four minutes. Uh, no, I, I'm not even going to say anything about world record closings, but I'm just telling you my closing is going to be four minutes. This is why it's important to begin to prepare. When God has a destiny for you, it's never easy to get to the place that God's leading you to go to, trust me. Sometimes it takes years. So many people have gotten prophetic words, and I am so exciting, excited about this Zoom thing because it brings back to my remembrance, I was at this pulpit preaching Skype at that time into Pakistan because Emmanuel had set up a meeting for me, and there was a, a lady in there that I just couldn't, God was just speaking to me. I said, Emmanuel, is it okay if I prophesy through this Skype meeting to this lady? And so I began to prophesy to this lady. She had her on her Pakistani dresses and full coverings. And I said, you have been swelling and retaining water over the last several weeks to the point where you have been in extreme pain. And I said, but... Do you have faith to believe that God will heal you today? And so two people went over, laid hands on her. We prayed for her, and God healed her through that Skype meeting right where she was. See, God is calling us into places that the enemy would like us to not hassle him with. God wants to call us into situations to where we might have to do something that's extremely uncomfortable or unusual or not what we've done in the past. See, when we open up the altar like we did today to say we want you to come out of your comfort zone and take a step of faith and allow God to challenge your faith, listen, don't come unless you're serious. Don't answer that kind of altar call unless the next thing that God says to you, you're willing to step out in faith on. Let me tell you why. We have had prophetic ministry here for as long as I have been here, and we have seen people get tremendous words from the Lord and find every way they could to avoid seeing them happen, and it's destroyed their lives. See, sometimes God calls us to the uncomfortable and he needs us to walk by faith to get there and trust that although we can't see exactly the pathway where he would take us, that we will say, Father, I will follow that pathway if you lead me. Would you all stand with me today? When we look at things like we have seen in, in the beginning part of Romans 16, that is the challenge to say and to understand. These are not just cute words. The things that these people were asked to do, they had to stretch out. Nobody said Phoebe was a multimillionaire, and when she gave, she gave it out of the abundance of what she had. 
She probably collected a, a shekel here, a shekel there, a shekel here, a shekel there, and then she gathered up five shekels and sent them to Paul so that he could have something to eat. See, it costs you something. This offering that I want to take next week for these guys that I know and are starving, I'm, I'm asking you to come out from your comfort zone and to, and to say, I wish that we had a second round of stimulus checks. Because wouldn't it be just much easier to take half of your stimulus check? Well, let me tell you, you've already received a stimulus from God. Because he says, when you give into my house, I'll keep the enemy out of your house. There's no better stimulus check in the world than checking into God's system of protection. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every single thing today that was good news. I thank you for every single thing today that encouraged us. I thank you for every word we sang, every scripture we read, every uh, person who came to the front today to be encouraged to, to remove themselves from their comfort zone and go to the place that you've called them to. I thank you that you are not only a God that heals, you're a God who protects, you're a God who restores, and you are a God who renews visions. And so, Father, today I pray that as we move through this series on building the kingdom God's way, that there would be a strength that comes out of this that propels us to the next part of our destiny. And so, Father, I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And all of God's people said amen.